Welcome back. Happy New Year. Wade Zanketa, Connor O'Neill here, back with the first, well, second, I guess, second podcast of 2024, because we did release our New Year's Day episode on the first, so technically, this is the first to be recorded in 2024, second to be released in 2024. I said last week, yeah, last week, last podcast, bad things happen. When I wear Detroit Lions gear, bad things <laughs> effing happened because I wore Detroit Lions gear. That call was BS. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm just going to say, I hate to say a toe to so, but I freaking a toe to so for all the Trailer Park Boys fans out there. The other thing that I want to go off on to start this podcast today roses are red, the victors are blue. Hell yeah, the Michigan Wolverines, for the first time in my effing lifetime, first time first time that I will be able to see it in my effing lifetime, are headed to the College Football National Championship. And for those of you out there listening to this podcast, if you are a frequent listener, you know I'm a Detroit Lions fan. So this is the closest year. I will ever get to a Super Bowl or any type of Super Bowl in my entire life. Aside from Matthew Stafford and the Rams, the Michigan Wolverines going to the college football championship is probably the closest I'm ever going to see to a Super Bowl in my lifetime. Suck it, Alabama. Your play call in overtime was terrible. Your center lost you the game. Michigan special team sucked, and Michigan shouldn't have won that game. Do you think it was like a true QB power, or because there was the bubble screen no, action? Off I the don't. Backside. You think it was a it, it was a read, and he just I think saw the he saw the safety snap. buzz. Yep. And because he had the low snap, he's like, I can't do anything about yep. this. Yep. I I do because I, you know, I mean, for nostalgic purposes, I've gone back and watched that play hundreds of times now. Because I was sitting in radio call, I've heard the Alabama radio call, I've seen it in like every official language. I gotta say, ordered in. I was, was listening the on ESPN radio because I was driving at the time and uh, Joe Tessitore was on the call on ESPN radio. Yep. He's got such a good voice for radio. Yep. Um, yep. But like as I'm driving and they're like, oh, Alabama calls the second time out. I'm thinking like, okay, so Michigan called the timeout to see what the formation was. They come back out. Alabama's like, ah, no, we saw what you're going to do. Let's change it up. And I was like thinking about my car. You um, there's two ways to think about this. People sometimes don't like sprint outs because it cuts your field in half. I personally, with a mobile quarterback like Jalen Milrow, love a sprint out because Connor, as we played, the corner you're kind of locked away. You're gonna have a guy, but as the pursuing defenders. Everyone has to communicate on the same page, non-verbally trust the guy behind you to do exactly what they're supposed to as you kind of shift responsibilities down. And either you get a bust in a shift or you get a mismatch with a wide receiver then being on a slower linebacker where they can make a second move and you're extending plays. If you extend it far enough, maybe you round it into the end zone. But no, I... 
I was thinking, and then they came out, and I just hear Joe Tessler be like, oh, it's going to be a quarterback draw. I'm like, whoa, what the hell? Um, yeah, I, I I don't know, man. I really do not think that was the design of the play. I mean, sure, when the game's on the line, why not put the ball you have to put in it the, the hands of your, hands. Or your the only thing that best works playmaker? For but I don't think that I, – I really just don't think that a straight QB power with the game on the line was necessarily the – the go-to call because I mean, everybody sitting at home knew what was coming or could have predicted what was coming. Everybody in the stands knew it was coming. Joe Tessitore on the radio knew it was coming. So obviously Michigan knew what was about to happen, but I don't think, I still don't think it was the design of the play. I think there was something else. I, I think there was an, an extra emergency emotion valve. Yeah. The, I, yeah. I think there was an emergency release there, but even at Alabama, that, if he doesn't but I think slip. the snap was so bad. But even at that, like, if he doesn't slip, there's a chance he gets in. Like, when the guard starts no. to wrap around. No. Did you see Did you see the push that Michigan got? Did you see? Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but, like, untouched. Made the offensive guard look like an absolute dummy. Like, yeah, yeah, but the backside guard was pulling. The backside guard pulled. Yes. If Mil- uh, Milrow doesn't slip, there's a chance that he just kind of, like, holds on behind the guard. Yeah. And then it's 50-50, right? Does a linebacker get him by the ankles or a DB shoot in, like? So many different possibilities. But either way, the Michigan Wolverines are your Rose Bowl champions. They are going to face off against Michael Penix and the Washington Huskies. I was really hoping phenomenal. for Texas, man. I was too. It's going to be a phenomenal game, but that's on Monday. And as much as we can sit here and talk about college football playoffs for the rest of the time we have on this podcast, we're not going to because this is what we're all here for. Farhan Lodge. Uh. Dropped an absolute woge bomb on us last night. He tweeted at 7.26 p.m. last night, hearing that McLeod Bethel Thompson has agreed to a one-year deal with the Elks. It's a significant deal that could reach 500K with incentives, meaning that he would be the starter at SportsCenter. We sat here on this podcast a week ago saying, why the F would the Elks bring in... Sorry. We we sat here on this podcast a week ago saying everybody needs to kick the tires, but we don't really think that this is um, like we, we thought this was just kind of some offseason news, having fun, like wasn't too, too much traction behind it. Obviously, if if McLeod's showing interest, every team needs to to get on the phone. And we were like, well, what does Edmonton have? Why would McLeod want to go there? Well, egg on my face, I guess, more because you argued that they do have a ton of ton of playmakers. So egg on my face. I'm an idiot because it looks like he's about to sign with the Edmonton Elks. And not only that, but for the Elks, Connor, they went big with the corn dog when they signed him to a contract, which was, I think, think 450. So they're going to carry dead cap from him. Mm -hmm. Plus, now they're going to put 500 after incentives. So I'm guessing it's probably about 425, 450. Because if I'm, McLeod Buff Thompson. And I see that you were willing to pay Taylor Cornelius $450,000. I'm sitting there saying, I know my worth. Jack up that price tag, good sir. Um, let's go, let's go win as a team. And the reports that I saw were like this coaching staff, this brass feels the pressure to win now, or their jobs are seriously on the line. And you know what? Yeah. Yeah. With with the streak 
and the the negativity around the Elks rebrand, the Victor Sui leaving, um, like the attendance issues they've had. There is a big need to win now, or it would be curtains on this regime. And I think it it's yeah. it's a real feeling. I think that last year they probably could have argued if they hadn't ended the season on the back of Trey Ford so well, that it would have been the time then. But yeah. the man that saved them is not the man that they want pushing them forwards with a chance to move into the next stratosphere. And I, I really do think that Trey Ford is, I don't want to say the victim because he's not really being victimized or harmed or like, He's just not in a great situation. Unfortunate. He's the unfortunate soul caught in the crossfire of, yeah. of timing and circumstance. But Connor, when he was drafted, this is what we said. This is probably the franchise that is not going to care about him as much as others would. Yeah. And I mean, he went from not dressing to starter and savior of the season. And quite frankly, left a lot of people saying, like, this is what we saw last year before the injury. It's what we're seeing this year. What was changed from training camp to week, whatever, when he subbed in? Yeah. Um, and I think Chris Jones did a good job of holding his ground and saying, like, look, like, we're not seeing consistency in practice. Why are we going to put him into a game and think he's going to be consistent there if we're not seeing it each day in the practice field? Which I get. Um, I totally get that. Like, if, you, if you're I, a coach I, and you're like, we're just not comfortable, you're not comfortable. But, like, when they did, when when it, the keys were finally given to Trey Ford, in, like, around 230 pass attempts, he goes off for 2,000 yards, 12 touchdowns. And he had a really, really, really good season with his legs. He had 600 on the ground and three touchdowns. He was averaging 9.4 yards a carry. I Like, mm-hmm. he is a, a fantastic quarterback. It just sucks because when you hear that, McLeod Bethel Thompson is available and you can sign him and you know he's an MOP. Yeah, he is. like he's, he you're is not currently gonna, an MOP. You're not gonna bring in McLeod Bethel Bethel Thompson to back up Trey Ford. That's just not no. gonna happen. You're signing McLeod to be the starter. And like MBT is an MOP. As yes. much as we want to talk about how good Trey Ford is and how bright the future could be, he isn't the caliber of McLeod. I would argue that right now, right now, maybe yeah, no, in no, five no. years from now, we're having a conversation where we're like, wow, can you believe Edmonton gave up on Trey Ford? Or we're having a conversation like, holy crap, McLeod Bethel Thompson's how old? And he's still <laughs> kicking it around the league like Ricky Ray second, style. I was about to say second coming of Ricky Ray here, just doing it in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but no, I, I would argue too, to your point, like we're talking about McLeod Bethel Thompson being an MOP. McLeod Bethel Thompson was arguably the MVP of the Great Cup. It doesn't get hurt. Yeah. Toronto's winning that game because of him. And and don't get me wrong, I know Chad Kelly came in and had a great run, threw the ball really well. But you know, if he doesn't break his hand or break his thumb, whatever he did, he's probably my great cup MOP as well. Mm-hmm. And would they have made this run last year had he not chosen to go down to New Orleans? We don't know. We we don't know what that would have looked like, but um in terms of Trey Ford. I've been openly campaigning. I think uh, Sean Burke's office probably is kicking the tires at least 
Well, yeah, let's like let's on, talk about this on now. Trey like, Ford because what's it's what's clear a good he, he's fit. not in the plan, and people could say like, oh, we still on a rookie contract, he can still back up MBT, which wouldn't be a horrible thing though. Like to learn no, from oh, a guy it, like that from a development it standpoint, wouldn't. it'd be great. But you're on the end of your rookie deal. Yeah, this is a year you can get paid off of. Oh, you want to be on the field? You want to you want to have that tape? Absolutely. Nobody wants to sit there. Nobody on the on the last, yeah, on the last year of your contract. No, absolutely not. And like to go back to the development thing, like as good as this would be for for Trey Ford to sit behind MBT, I know he probably doesn't want to. Nobody wants to see him do it. But like from a pure development standpoint, who has he really had to learn from? What sort of mentors in the quarterback room has he had? I think it's a shitty circumstance because he's in the last year of his deal. And if he wasn't. I'd be saying, well, it's only a one-year deal for for MBT, so it's not horrible. Trey still has another one should MBT not come back, and it's a year to sit back and learn from one of the game's greats. But that's not the situation. The situation is Trey Ford is on the last year of his deal. This man wants to have tape on the field and deserves to be on the field and deserves to to get some of this money because what he has shown in his first two years in the CFL is he came in and, and did the impossible and what Edmonton their first game of the season on Canada Day, pretty much at home against the Hamilton Tiger Cats for for Trey being from the Niagara region. And then he comes in in relief and looks like he's going to be the quarterback of your future. And then they go out and they bring an MBT. And it's like, well, what are we going to do here? So we're like, I know we've we've tossed around the idea of Ottawa and you just spent some time talking about, you know, Sean Burke, maybe getting on the phone with Trey. But like, where else really do you see him fitting in? Because when it comes to free agent quarterbacks right now, I'm not talking about like trade guys like trade Trey Ford would be when it comes to free agent quarterbacks. Like there are some interesting names out there. Ottawa did find success with, with Dustin crumb. Masoli is still on that roster. Drew Brown's out there. Caleb Evans will be set in Montreal. Most like, uh, Bo Levi just restructured in Hamilton. So yep. they're probably going to keep either Schiltz or Powell. I don't know if they're going to bring back both. And they may try to part with one of them, but, um, their quarterback room should be set. Dukes and Kelly and Toronto should be set. Uh, Montreal, set, like we mentioned, Ottawa, we've already talked about as being an option. Saskatchewan, Trevor Harris, everyone really likes him. Maybe that would be a spot for Trey to go in and be a backup. Um, Dakota Prukop is still in Winnipeg, so he'll probably stay there as their serviceable backup if something goes down to Cody. And then you've got BC and Calgary. and. Dane just retired, man. I mean, would BC be the worst place in the world for Trey Ford? Go sit behind VA? No, it wouldn't. And we've already talked about Calgary and the possibility. I think we did this like a couple. Oh weeks yeah, because I, I said the, the possibility of Calgary with Philpott. all of those, yeah. yeah, all of those weapons. Um, I think it is a two horse race, pun intended. Calgary and <laughs> Ottawa, quite frankly, like uh, this is a, a player who has the ability to make extended plays, on-script plays, downfield, quick game, RPO, play action. Like, he has a wide toolkit and a wide variety of skills that are advantageous to offenses. And um, if we talk about Tommy Condell being the new OC in Ottawa, I'm going to keep hammering on this. Like, who did he have a lot of success with in Hamilton? Jeremiah Masoli, who was running around making plays. 
uh, extending plays. Then he also had success to a, to a certain degree with Dane Evans, who was extending plays in the pocket with like pocket mobility. Um, so does that work with Trey? And Mazzoli, like you've mentioned, is still there. Someone who knows Condell's offense has been an experienced playmaking quarterback who also, quite frankly, has suffered injuries. And I think this is a mm-hmm. big unspoken thing because nobody really wants to talk about injuries. No, but um, that is a concern for me. Like, how structurally sound is our Masoli's legs? No, but even as a mentor, to have the mentor that's been through those injuries, whether some of them were flukes, like the uh, Marino incident in Saskatchewan, where you I don't know, know it does. I think that was a bullshit play. No, I, I fluke yeah, injury. I know you saying like freaking. Freak it's not incident, like yeah. it's not like he's rolling out and no, yeah, something. like it is yeah, someone yeah, yeah. just taking a cheap shot. Yeah. Um, but just trying to avoid like key collision spots, get down early, how to protect yourself as you're going down, like all of those little things. Like I know such as an RG3 the, did with a Lamar Jackson. Yeah, or Tua situation. going out and taking judo lessons to learn how to fall this year. Like I rolled my eyes at that. So I'm like, really, like you can't calculate how to fall, but he's been able to protect himself so far this year until yeah. last week where he kind of hurt his shoulder. But um no, like I, I, I think that Ottawa is the spot, and it's a team that is starving to get consistency at the quarterback play and some kind of young hope to guide the team because they have talented playmakers. They got guys that can stretch the field, guys that are willing to block, make the plays. They've got a young core offensively. It, it's it fits. Say it out loud. It fits. Trey Ford, young offense, high volume, Ottawa. It, it, it all fits, all categories. So I'm going to keep pushing this until he gets traded somewhere or I hear word for word from Chris Jones. We will not be trading Trey Ford. Yeah, I, I do. I do really, really like the the Ottawa spot. But you hit the nail on the head there, and, and that's really what it does come down to is this is – just a one-year deal for MBT. So he comes in. Maybe he loves it. Maybe he doesn't. If he doesn't stay with, with Edmonton past this 2024 season, who's to say they don't extend Trey and, and bring him back and make sure he's their guy for the future? Nope. I'm but, being salty. If I'm Trey... Oh, yeah. I mean... You've given me opportunities to start and then gone back on it. You give me an opportunity to start and then sign someone else. Fool me oh, once. I, I agree. Shame I would, on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Fool me three times. From a player standpoint, being you know a, a player first podcast, I do think that I'd be a little salty, a little bit pissed off if I was Trey Ford. Obviously, I understand bringing in the caliber of guy like MBT, but you know, pretty much everything you've asked me to do as a quarterback in your system. I've been able to do and then some I've done, you know, the little things, right. You didn't really, you know, take the reins off this season. I'm talking about the 2023 season. They didn't really take the reins off in the first few games that he was quarterbacking and within his, you know, limited uh, within his limited passing attempts, he was really impressive. So I I think for, for Trey, yeah, I'd be salty. I'd be pissed off too. I'm going to counter argue you. I do like the Ottawa spot, but, you know, maybe they're comfortable with with Crumb. Maybe they are going to give 
the reins back to to Jeremiah Masoli. But I'm going to go back to. I don't think they're comfortable with Crum. I really don't. They might. They might not be. But you can't live. I'm you can't go... live on fourth quarter comebacks. This is this is not hey, Tim Tebow. It's kind of his tier. Yeah, and how years. many? How much playoff success did that give them? None. Absolutely none. none. Absolutely. It's like none. Tim. It's like Tim Tebow though. Like. But it's amazing to have these fourth quarter comebacks, but yeah, they they don't. It's not sustainable. No. Well, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. Yeah. It really isn't. I'm trying to make arguments, but it's it's really not. But I'm going to go back to I'm going to go back to Alberta here. I'm going to go to Calgary because I think this is looking at the roster. I I think that Calgary has the most inconsistency at the position right now in terms of, of pure performance on the field, like. Jake Mayer, we talked about it all last year. He's either going to throw for 400 or he's going to throw four interceptions. He's going to have, like, you're riding a roller coaster when Jake Mayer is your quarterback. There's the huge ups and then there's the drastic downs. And what version of this guy are we going to get this week? And sure, they can say publicly that, you know, this is their guy all day long, but is it? Is it? I don't know. And then when you look at the rest of the quarterbacks in that quarterback room, you have Tommy Stevens, who is a running back. And you have... Don't say that. Well, you have Tommy <laughs> I know, Stevens. I know, I know, I know. But like, fine. You have Tommy Stevens, who is essentially just your short short yardage specialist. Yes, if, if there was and something there with Tommy Logan Stevens Bonner. that have shown us. What, like, who is... quarter? If, if Jake Mayer goes down, who's actually the capable quarterback in this in this room and i don't see there's no dane evans backing up va there's no drew brown or dakota prukop backing up zach caleros like th- these are the types of players that you want to have behind your starters and i don't see that for calgary right now and i think if you do bring in or if you do trade for a guy like trey ford a he's going to come in and compete right away could compete against Jake Mayer right away. I think I think towards the tail end of the last season as a starter, I would have taken Trey Ford over Jake Mayer. I don't think that's a ridiculous thing to say. And then when you look at the wide receiver room for the Calgary Stampeders, I'm talking more about the young guys. Luther Hagunamanu, U Sports guy, played in the same conference as Trey Ford. Colton Hunchak, U Sports guy. Tyson Middlemost. Played in the same building. New uh, sports Luther. guy. Played at the same time in the same conference as Trey Ford. Let's talk about... Clark Barnes, Clark same Barnes. thing. Same thing. Like, there's guys yeah. all over the wide receiver room in Calgary where Trey Ford would come in and have... I'm going to say a near-instant connection with some of these receivers. Jalen Philpot, U sports guy. I know he's a, a Calgary guy, but, like, come on. How how difficult would it be for Trey Ford and Jalen no, 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 to no, get no, out no. in the summer how, and start how difficult whipping ball is it? How difficult for, is it for any quarterback to connect with a Philpot? They're open ninety nine percent of the time. Not very hard. Ask Cody Fajardo. Percent of balls thrown to yeah. them. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just think it is not hard. You put it near him, and he comes down with it. <laughs> yeah, I do really think that now that we're thinking about this a little bit more, now that we're dissecting it a little bit more. If we are hypothetically moving Trey Ford, I do think Calgary is a very suitable landing spot. And I think next year in free agency, if he doesn't get moved, if there is no trade for Trey, let's take a serious look 
at the Calgary Stampeders as their front office making a run for this kid. Um, only thing, would Edmonton trade Trey Ford in province where they have to face him in big-time spots? No, I really don't think they would. Because if, uh, mind you, if they I, do, I it's personally don't think Edmonton's like, going to trade him think. at all. I think someone has to make an offer, like a second oh, round yeah. pick plus uh, a good special teamer. I think it's fair for Trey Ford because clearly he is not in your future plans. You got him in the second round, second or early, late first. I think he was first. Either way, you got him late first, and it has been some time then. He has clearly not lived up to the contract or draft spot just simply because of his limited availability and playtime opportunities. So second second rounder, someone that can contribute on, I don't know, all five specials, seems like a fair deal. I saw one fan that tweeted out at me, like, uh, give, a, give him a first rounder and bowler Pelios. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, that's, that's draft capital that has been invested in Ottawa. And that yeah. has been paying dividends. Like, you're not trading Pelios. He's played the majority of games over the last two years. You're not playing planning to trade Dante Bull. Who you, you drafted don't have in a real high. He didn't last play enough year. games to really make a say last year. So those two guys I feel like are locked into Ottawa. They're not gonna touch him. Don't even give me Surreal as an option if you're gonna trade an offensive lineman. I will throw it in the trash faster than <laughs> I can open it. Um but no I I don't know. I don't know what it'll take. I don't know who would take. I don't know if they even want to take him. Maybe there was some things that the combine interviews that Trey did that rubbed some teams really the wrong way, and they're kind of sticking to that now as he kind of becomes available. I don't want to say on the trade block, but he is. He has to be. If, if, if this signing comes through, he has to be at least open for deals. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. I think you're right. I think teams do have to, you know, at least show some interest. I I do think that is true. But if I'm Edmonton, if I'm Edmonton, looking at the Edmonton roster right now, looking at their quarterback room, like you just released Taylor Cornelius. So your backup options to MBT right now are Jared Deggie and Trey Ford. And I am not comfortable. And I, like we see teams bring in quarterbacks to camps all summer long. So there's probably going to be yes. some names we've Chris never Jones seen. Chris Jones brings in eight. Yeah, eight, 18 quarterbacks to start the camp. But like, so obviously the roster is going to look a little bit different. It's not going to be Deggy and Ford, I don't think, to uh, start the 2024 season. Like, I think it's going to be Ford, somebody else, and somebody else. But really, if I'm Edmonton, we bring in MBT. He's our starter. Great. I'm keeping Trey Ford around to be the backup because he has proved to our organization that when we need him, when we call on him, he will show up. And that, I think, is an asset that you can't move off of, especially under the gun like Edmonton is. If you... If you want to make the playoffs, if you want to make a push, if you want to start winning games, you can't you can't be okay just having one good quarterback on your roster because if that one good quarterback goes down, you are sunk. See the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. All right. We're kind of on a Warriors theme today with uh, 
Trey Ford, and now formerly of the Waterloo Warriors, Coach D.A. Uh, yesterday, the Toronto Varsity Blues announced the new head coach, the new era of football in the six. Coach D.A. coming over from the Warriors, assistant head coach, defensive coordinator, big hand in their recruiting scheme. And now he's bringing it all the way to Toronto. All the way. It's like an hour and a half, maybe. If you had. <laughs> um, Short bus ride down the highway. Yeah. yeah, I, but I he, mean... uh, he has a ton of respect nationally, Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Stach at like, the CFL Reddit page said, like, how excited should I be? And I think overall, really excited. Like, DA knows how to recruit at a high level. Yeah, U of T has done well recruiting nationally, like going to BC and Alberta and the East Coast, but they have not been able to recruit as much in Ontario at a high level like some of the other major programs. And DA has been able to pull in some very high level, high end recruits. Yeah, Inspurters, Fords, um, the Sukars, like they pull from different areas of Ontario to get guys at Waterloo and he's been a big hand in that. So overall, I, I think there's a ton of energy coming into this program with this hire and uh, it's something to be excited for. It is. It is. I, I really think it is. I think um, it's an earned opportunity, certainly for, for Adams uh, more than earned, more than deserved. I think it's, you know, at first glance, it's a great signing for Toronto, but I know you have, some reservations yeah i know i know you have some reservations about this like i know you we were texting back and forth about it when the news broke yesterday and i know you do like the signing overall but there are some things you want to talk about with it as well so i'm going to give you the floor to kind of like we we did talk about the good we obviously like this signing i think for the most part you like the signing from a, a head coaching standpoint but yeah, schematically, no, no. what bothers you about this? Well, to me, this is a very grown-up hire. This is the hire that you should make to build a foundation and build a program. Yeah. But let's look at football on a large scale. Because we, we all know NFL is moving offensive. Yep. CFL tends to follow suit or be slightly ahead in terms of trends. Okay. Let's look at our U sports landscape with what schools have been dominant. Okay, if you look at the coaching, and here, here's the immediate comparison. If we look at uh, Can West, okay, we've got offensive line, Scott Flory, Calgary, offensive. Um, Blake Nils kind of CEO coach B as a defensive back. So we won't we won't count him. Um and Chris Morris with Alberta, offensive line. Okay, Ken West, Montreal Caravan, reigning Vandy Cup champions, Marco Idaluka, offensive coach. Gary Waterman, offensive X. And now let's look at Ontario. Western, Waterloo, McMaster, Wealth, Ottawa, Ottawa again with <laughs> their previous coach. Carlton, Carlton, Queens, Queens, Queens. Like these coaches 
that have success in the OUA have an offensive background. And U of T the last three times out has gone Greg Gary, has gone Greg Marshall, and now DA. Defense, defense, defense. And while I think that he was the right hire, you have to have some kind of pause and think, okay, what is going to be the offensive identity of this team? Because they still don't have an offensive coordinator. Who is he bringing in? What can they bring to this program? Because outside of Simon Nassar passing for a bajillion yards and Clay Sequeira throwing the ball 50 times a game um, and putting up a ton of points in the regular season, where, where does this offense go? Where does the team go offensively? Defensively, I don't have a question. They're going to be fantastic. They're going to be aggressive up front. They're going to be physical. The DBs are going to be long and fly around. Um, but offensively has always been my question with U of T. What is the future game plan? What is the short-term game plan? Like, who, who do we go with at quarterback? Who, who do they plan to go with in the future? What do the receivers look like? What does the offensive line look like? And those are legit questions. And um, DA was the hire. I, I will reiterate that for the fifth time. But uh, at some point, the school has to look at trends, at building a program that can compete at a national level. And more times than not, I'm not going to say it's impossible to do with a defensive coach, but more times than not, it is offense, offense, offense at the top of your food chain. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly with, with everything you're saying there. Um, it, it makes total sense to me, total sense in my mind, especially, you know, when we do look back on the landscape of U sports as a whole, not even just the OUA, but U sports as a whole. I, I think that I still do think this is a, a really good hire. I think you're in the same mindset as well. But now I think if you're DA and the rest of the U of T coaching staff, you need to be incredibly conscious of what you're going to do with your offense, how you are going to revamp this offense, because it can't keep being this. And I'm sorry to you. I'm sorry to the University of Toronto football program right now, but you cannot keep trying to win games with arguably the most one-dimensional offense in the OUA. You just can't. no, and and I understand that with Clay it was one-dimensional passing, but it and they have now tried to they have now tried to build a one-dimensional or power offense, and I, I where think they for can me, kind of go opposite of that. But yeah, I, I think for me with with that Clay offense it worked because you had one of the top five quarterbacks not only in the OUA but in the nation and that's and why. a collection of and a collection of receivers in Corby Lovegrove Diodati Lane like you had guys that could make those plays and you had an offensive line that was just filled with veteran talents like the Mary brothers and Grizz who who could hold it down up front yeah um but when it comes down to it like Let's 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 look at where we we end up in total yards, twenty fourth in total yards or yards per game. Like 
when you look at the top end, it is a lot of offensive coaches and yeah. and quarterbacks. And we just talked about how vital having a quarterback is in Canadian football. What's a better way to reach a quarterback, grow a quarterback, develop a quarterback, than to have the man at the top of your program being able to relate to or understand or help drive this change. Now, this Toronto team, Connor, is going to be like your Detroit Lions. They're going to fight like hell. They are going to take you down with them every time, and they're going to crawl their way back up on top of the mat and get back in. But offensively, they've got to have a big year of recruits. I think DA is a good fit for that. Absolutely. But when it comes down to it, who's calling the plays? What's the identity? And how does this team change their outlook offensively? Yeah. These, yeah, these are all questions and concerns that, you know, we have had not just this year, not just this signing, but they were probably questions for DA in the interview process. Oh, absolutely. Nailed the questions. Absolutely. We're probably sitting here blind to the fact that. Well, that's he's that's got what I was some ace say. in the hole. But yeah, that's who that's what I was gonna say. Like in the hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I don't know, but that's what I that's where I was going. That's what I was gonna say is, you know, these are these are questions that we've had that we still have, but I believe very strongly that these are questions that DA does have the answers to. Like you said, I don't think it's yeah. gonna be. I don't think it's gonna be something that happens overnight. But I do think that DA is the right guy steer this ship in the right direction and you know what um the goal with marshall coming in for coach gary was take over uh take over get to the playoffs build that build that foundation and as i i don't know the conversation in the NFL this week has been like, have the Steelers and Mike Tomlin plateaued because yes, they have a winning record every year, but it's like nine and eight <laughs> or 10 and, or 10 and seven. Like coaches can take you so far and level off. What's the expectation for coach DA? Is it win a playoff game? Win two playoff games? When I know what the internal expectations are and that's winning Yates cup. But what's realistic for this team going from bottom of the OUA to top? So I, I, I'm very happy with the hire. Excited to see what they do through spring camp. I think the timing of the hire was great, too, as the guys are coming back from winter break. Yeah. Um, but they need that offense coordinator filled in now. Yep. You can't wait until the summer. It has to be right now to go through spring camp with them. They've got the dome up and ready to rock. Although I don't think they've quite needed the dome given our weather in Southern Ontario this year, but um, let's get it going. Get the offense built in, and and build that identity. I'm very excited to see what that identity is going to be, what it's going to look like, what Toronto is going to look like for the team this year. Like I, I do. I'm with you. I do think it's going to be fun. Um, but again, I don't think it's going to be an overnight thing. I think it's going to be built and sustained. But I'm excited. I'm excited. And I think there's with... lots to be excited for. Oh, absolutely. U Sports, OUA, there's always things to be excited for. Specific to Toronto, I agree, though. I do agree. 
Uh, I believe, though, that wraps it up. That's all the news that we have. And we we spent, you know, there was two pretty significant pieces of news to drop yesterday. So I think we covered it. I think we covered it all. I don't think you guys want to listen to us ramble for too much longer. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I I think that we've kind of gone through the motions and it's time for NFL football. It's time for your Michigan Wolverines to play the Washington Huskies in two days. I'm a nervous um, wreck. I've been a nervous wreck about that all week. Uh, no, I, I'm excited. And I, I think that the Blues should be excited as well. Um, a lot of good background knowledge that's coming with DA. Lots of recruiting knowledge to go. Look at the recruiting. Hold on. Before we go, can we can we <laughs> give something up for the recruiting here for U of T? Joe Capiello, one of the most beloved coaches and recruiters in all of the country. Bob Mullen, who we know, like, Mullen's Mullen's pretty sweet. Uh, And then DA, who is a beloved recruiter and coach. All wrapped into one school to now attack and sign and bring in high-level talents to the number one university in the country it's not biased it's a stat look it up (laughs) and with that eat it mcgill (laughs) with that we are going to close out today's episode just before we do go quick thank you quick shout out to the wonderful folks over at fox 40 get geared up for game day it is not football season is is winding down but there are plenty of other sports Winding up basketball, volleyball, everything under the sun. Fox40shop.com. Use code CFP15 to get 15% off all of your whistles, gear, coaching board, whatever you need to get right for your season. Fox40shop.com. CFP15. Wade Zanketa, Honor O'Neill. We will catch you guys later this week.